0: Welcome back to the greatest podcast on the campus of Central Washington University. It's been about a week or two, maybe two and a half, and some change that we've been back, but the Generational Emotions podcast has returned for this week. Uh, Soma Lambert here next to me, Doug Full from the Wellness Center. Doug, how's, uh, how's your break been since our last uh, trip to the studios here?
1: It's been a a good little time off.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, I understand that uh, you had some uh, adventures in Vegas, a bowling tournament.
1: I did. I traveled down to Las Vegas for the United States Bowling Congress Open Championships and bowled the team event. Uh, That one, we did really well. Uh, I led my team, averaging just about 210. And then singles and doubles wasn't so good. We're not going to talk about singles and doubles. All right, we'll
0: leave the no, singles and, and doubles out of it. Maybe we'll reconvene. Uh, we can throw some a little bitterness uh, towards those, uh, it, those groups that are jumping you in the standings yeah, uh, see, before we leave.
1: It's an ongoing tournament. It's going to go until July 4th. Currently, we're sitting at 48th, but when we were down there doing it, we were 25th place when we first did it. So um, it's kind of hard to watch our team drop a little bit every day.
0: We'll see where the the standings lie uh, come around July 4th. But we have a lot to talk about today. We've been gone for a while. We were just talking a little bit about how you know we've we've missed so many things, but it's hard to remember some of the things that we missed. We had the NFL draft now behind us, and some of the backlash from that coming up. The NBA draft lottery was just last night. One of the craziest draft lotteries I remember in a long time. Uh, the the narratives out of that lottery we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, And also, of course, we're going to get to the conference finals. Blazers, Warriors game two. You know what? I still am really convinced I'm in an alternate reality after this (laughs) postseason journey that Portland's had. Um, And, of course, we'll talk about game one a little bit, what they need to adjust. Uh, coming into about 7 o'clock. I think that's the tip for tonight. I'm excited. I wore my Blazers retro starter jacket today. I'm not nice. wearing it now. It's a little bit uh, too warm in here for it. I want to start sweating through It's not something you can sweat no. through. Uh, it's pure satin, right? It's, you, it's vintage. Yeah, it's vintage. You can't do that. Um, but for now, let's talk about a little on this day in sports history. Like we start every generational emotions podcast, we like to dive into the past, the history of sports a little bit. Um... Let's start on this positive note before we get to a little bit of the uh, less positive notes on this day in sports history. MJ, Rookie of the Year 1985. Yes, what do was. you remember about that year, Doug? Because I don't remember it nothing.
1: Well, I was only four years old at the time, so I don't remember a whole lot from that one either. But uh, watching back and watching the, the films, it was the start of the greatness. Like,
0: mm-hmm, hmm we were just talking about the picks that went before MJ, of course. Um, can't forget, again, that the Blazers love their big men. Uh, always looking for that big guy. Always going to live and die by the big man. We saw that this year uh, also. Uh, it's a little bit of a poor taste uh, joke. That wasn't supposed to be a joke or anything. I don't like that. I just said that. Anyway, uh, re- or get well soon, Eric, if you're listening to the pod out there. Anyway, um, yeah, 1985 MJ. Course, Hakeem, the first overall pick in that draft. I don't think you can't, you can't really doubt him. You can't doubt, you can't disagree you knew with the, that pick at the I time. Mean, you're
1: looking at what was available, and still one of the most amazing basketball uh, players. I hate when I month. hate
0: when people try and like look 20 years ago as like, oh, I would totally redo that draft over. Yeah, obviously, you're not taking Kwame Brown as the first overall pick, uh, you know in 2001 <laughs> i think that was or anthony bennett you know some of these busts but like you know when people say oh how did you take hakeem over jordan come on you can't those are two legends right there it's, it's 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 not a fair argument uh so i am not a fan of those kind of conversations uh elsewhere on this day in history let's stick with the legends of the nba um i was reading about this this morning and again it just made me kind of sometimes i go into these like downward spirals of man, I really missed out on the golden era of, like, legendary moments, right? The 80s and the NBA, I don't think it gets any better than that. I mean, you have the 90s, of course, with the 96 Bulls and the equivalent of kind of what we're seeing with the Warriors nowadays, at least in terms of one team just going to that conference finals every year and taking down those teams that you thought could beat them, a la the Houston Rockets now. Um, not many people out there think the, uh, the Blazers can beat this Warriors team. I'm not one of those people because I live and die with my team. Um, But like I was saying, it's just, you know, I just if I could go back in time, that's the one thing I would do live through those moments in the 80s and the 90s. But where I was getting to uh, 1980, Magic Johnson, right? Rookie that year. Uh, I was reading about this this morning because, of course, I wasn't there to witness it. Um, but this is the, the finals where Kareem goes down, right? Mm-hmm. And Magic takes over that center spot because he was kind of that, that hybrid, just incredible specimen of a player. You know, everyone's talking about, you know, the Zions of the world lately. Magic Johnson was that guy in 1980, right? And so he was the first kind of positionless guy. He could play the point, and he could really – he played one through five, and he finished out that series at the center position. And defended one through five as well. Incredible. I mean, different era of basketball, I get it. You know, whatever, comment, say what you want. Don't ever diminish anything like that. It's the one thing I can't stand is when people try and diminish accomplishments by saying, oh, it was a different age of basketball. People were too slow for Magic, so he was just dominating everyone. No.
1: One, again, I wasn't as old enough to be appreciative of the NBA at the time, but definitely watching back at, like, the Showtime, I think it's a 60 um, but looking back and watching those videos, at the same time, Magic Johnson was – Supposed to be this extreme specimen, but didn't really have an opportunity until it got to this postseason for him to be able to showcase what he had because of that team with so many great players that were on it. Mm-hmm. But then for him to be able to take over and show that he could move into the five, that he could move up with them, that he could also defend at the five, which I guess uh, these days would be a, definitely a different feat.
0: There's, I mean... And, and that's a conversation in itself because people are, you know, there was no small ball, you know, type of play no. back in the and there. there wasn't to that respect. But in instances like this, you know, we did see kind of a, a taste of maybe uh, some foreshadowing perhaps of well, what foresh- we see like today. Mean. Right. I mean, at least you got to compare it in, in, in a little bit of a sense and what's going on today. Um, uh, but anyway, Magic Johnson legend, uh, glad that he's no longer in that Lakers front office so he can, uh, tweet out goofy tweets like right. he's, uh, like he's used to doing.
1: It should help us out on the podcast. <laughs> you know,
0: and what makes me laugh is just reading Magic Johnson's timeline. Like he's the, the, the news wire for ESPN. Uh, Giannis had 15 points or uh, 30 points and carried his team to a game one win. Congratulations, Giannis. Thanks, Magic. Appreciate appreciate those words. Right there. Yeah, the true statistician of our of our era. That's what he wanted to leave Lakers front office for, so he can get back to his day job of living on Twitter. Uh, some birthdays uh, transitioning now in the world of sports. Whose uh, is today? Well, I'm gonna start with this one. Okay, uh, all time Hall of Fame Longhorn quarterback. What time or what player am I talking about?
1: All time. All
0: time, probably. Oh, I can't go all the way back to the days that you know I'm too uh, young to remember. But in my era, at least, probably the greatest Longhorn quarterback that's been in the last 20 years. Tick, tick, tick. Can't can't get it. Is it Vince Young? It is Vince Young. It is Vince. I'm trying young. to
1: make. Sure, I'm tr- trying to see in the way that you phrase that the. Because I, I'm
0: probably horribly wrong. I'm a bad Longhorns fan. My family is are Longhorns fans, uh, so they could give you more about the history of Longhorn quarterback. But from what I remember, Vince Young has been just about the only good Longhorn day. quarterback modern in the day. modern day. Yeah. Um, and then he transitioned to the NFL, uh, and it kind of just fizzled out. Yeah, then we're gonna uh, one of those college quarterbacks that just came to the league couldn't figure it quite out. But today is his birthday.
1: Happy birthday, Vince.
0: Happy birthday, Vince Young. Also a birthday today more importantly one of my favorite nba players of all time i'm gonna tweet at him after we post this podcast and i hope that he hears us congratulating him on his birthday and a fantastic nba career Channing fry (laughs) round of applause for channing fry i love me some channing fry one of those just wily vets that doesn't care what you think oh you're garbage oh you're trash because people like to get on the internet and like talk about these people like they could beat them Right. And one-on-one, like Kyle Lowry is a good example. Mm-hmm. Kyle Lowry hasn't been performing too well in these playoffs. Sometimes he makes plays that are just like, what are you doing, Kyle Lowry? Last night he had an outstanding game. And, of course, all the, the Twitter guys were all silent. But that bugs me when people try and go on internet. And Channing Fry was getting a lot of that treatment because I'm, I'm, I'm one of those guys that likes to just see those conversations going on, you know, to equip uh, my arsenal for, you know, coming on the pod like this. Um, but, you know, I, I can't stand it. Because, and he, Channing Fry is awesome because he would tweet back at those kind of people as I'll see you at the LA Fitness this summer. I'm right. not scared of you. Like, if I was an athlete w- with that kind of platform, I would do the exact same thing.
1: Well, I remember a few years back, Joe uh, Brian Scalabrini.
0: Oh, of course. Of course. He,
1: did he self name himself the White Mamba? Yeah, I think right? so. Yeah. Um. So, Brian Scalabrini was one of those ones where he came off the bench playing for the Celtics and and I th- he got a lot of flack like that where people mm. were like, You're just so horrible, like, anybody could beat you. And I remember after he retired, he went up and posted up, like, he challenged people to come, like, all across the U.S., come on over, try to beat him. If you could beat him, I think he put up some money or something. Oh, yeah. And he was just schooling everybody, making everyone look silly. And
0: people understand, if you make it to the NBA, that you are a professional basketball. It doesn't matter if you're sitting on the bench getting a minute a game. You made it to the NBA. That means you were – good enough or better than everyone that was at that college level and most of these kids play at that d1 level so it's not like they're playing against competition at these schools right so yeah so for anyone out there thinking they can whoop kyle lowry or scalabrini or channing or any of these guys one-on-one you're wrong horribly wrong but at the same time i would love to go against brian scalabrini or any of these guys.
1: Well, that's another thing, something I forgot about when I went down and did the, the bowling tournament down in, in Las Vegas. On the lanes right next to us was a Hall of Fame bowler, Chris Barnes.
0: Chris Barnes. Shout out Chris Barnes Shout on the pod.
1: Chris Barnes. Um, got a chance to bowl, and uh, different experience watching him walk into the, the settee room, and there's an opportunity to get involved in some side brackets and things, and pulls out a wad of cash. Oh, yeah. Big old thick wad. And <laughs> big old thick wad. People that I was talking to, they're like, man, I hope I don't get paired up against him. I was like, I want to get paired against him. You want to play against against the best. I want to win, and I want to say that this $20 bill in my wallet used to belong to him.
0: Like, at the end, at least you can say, I played against Chris Barnes. Right. Right? Like, I may have lost, but I went out there and played against the best. I'm not trying to play against these mediocre guys.
1: And he ended up bowling on the lanes right next to us, and I beat him two out of three games and totals. There you go. My little claim to fame for this year is... There's a professional bowler on this
0: podcast. And uh, that deserves recognition, so congrats, oh, Doug. Congrats so. on your performance uh, down there at the bowling tournament. Um, before we get out of this, uh, on this day in sports history, we'll transition to a slightly more serious note. Um, of course, all the, we've talked in length a couple times on this pod about some of the uh, sexual assault cases across Division One universities uh, not just Division One, but all you and know, professional and professional uh ranks uh on this time last year, Michigan state paid over three hundred million uh to over three hundred survivors of the Larry Nassar case uh Larry now a federal criminal gonna rot in jail for a very very long time uh much deserved but I think for this for this topic. Specifically, it took MSU way too long to do something about it. Um, I think that's safe to say. Um, and we're still nowhere near to where we need to be uh, to end these huge cases. That's over 300 people. That's over 300. That is, I, I'm literally at a loss for words and how to describe how awful that is and how long it took to do something about it.
1: Well, I'm hopeful as we look forward that schools take notice, that there was a ripple effect that happened with the Jerry Sandusky with Penn State. Right. That there was a ripple effect with Larry Nusser. Like, it, hopefully, schools are taking notice that you can't just play the ostrich game anymore. You can't put your head in the sand and say, oh, I didn't know. Like, it's your job to know. And it's your job to protect these people. Yeah. To protect these students, to protect the young people that are around your programs. It is the responsibility of the institution to do that and do better. And I'm hoping that the future is a lot brighter.
0: And whether or not these head coaches and administrators, quote, knew, uh, that's, you know, that's no, I don't think that's any of the public's concern necessarily. It, like you said, it's your job to know. Yep. You know, trying to, you know, clean your slate like you didn't have any role of it. There are over 300 women that were assaulted, you know, in, in this case, and you care about your image. I think that's one of my biggest issues with each of these individual cases is the head coaches and administrators just claiming innocence every time. Right. I don't think we've seen one case where, you know, a coach or an AD came out and said, I am extremely sorry, this is, you know, on me. I need to have, you know, repercussions just as much as, you know, the people that were directly involved. I think that's one of the big issues I don't think is really being paying attention to and hopefully like you said, you know, we're we're headed in the right direction. Um Moving on now uh, to lighter subjects, Uh, the conference finals, uh, both game ones uh, are done and over with. The Bucks up game one uh, on the Raptors. It was a pretty good game last night that I was watching. It went down kind of the wire. Kawhi lost his gas in that fourth quarter. So a lot of people started to talk about, you know, the whole fatigue issue coming to the playoffs. We're gonna talk a little bit about uh, NBA uh, season reform a little bit later uh, during the NBA draft lottery. They had an interview with Adam Silver on there Talking about, you know, changes that he had in mind, shortening the NBA season. Uh, He had ideas about playing tournaments and stuff. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But this whole fatigue thing, I think, is a serious issue. Kawhi didn't play a lot of regular season games because they were trying to save him Mm -hmm. for these moments. And now, like, I mean, they had a seven-game series, a tough one, that took a buzzer-beating Prayer of a roll. Oh my God! I don't
1: even know if you count that as a roll. It's, I, did, I think it was. Let's more talk a about that for a second. Spin.
0: If is what are we coining that shot? Because I was telling, is it quote the roll, the bounce, the disgusting? Just oh, I don't. What there has to be a name for that? Because there's never going to be a shot like that that hits the bottom rim and it has enough spin on it to somehow bounce around the whole cylinder and go in. For a game-winning game seven go-home shot,
1: with a dramatic pause too, like yeah. everyone, the picture eyes of wide open, crazy staring at your screen, like is, oh, no, yes, like it did. that
0: shot was short. It was yes. short. Yes, it was. Not, I feel was sorry not a good shot. for all my Sixers fans out there. I really do feel for you guys, um, but nonetheless, Bucks and Raptors. I got. I've been telling all my friends Bucks and five for me in this one. I think Giannis is a season or two away from really taking over this league. <sighs> Guys. Absolutely incredible. Can't disagree with you. Though. Yeah. I don't think if anyone wants to disagree with me on that, you know where to find me here at 88, One the Berg, we can have a conversation about it. Um, cause me and all my like diehard NBA fans are all on the same page. This guy is the next LeBron in terms of just taking over and no one's going to stop him, especially when you have shooters around him, mm-hmm. uh, like they've started to do finally. um, but I don't care about the Eastern Conference Finals. You care about the Western uh, yes, Conference very much. Finals. It's been 19 years uh, since we were back in the Western Conference Finals. So for Portland fans, uh, it's, it's been nice just to soak it all in. I remember watching the end of that Denver game, and I'm like, we're here. We can grab this game. And, you know, I watch games a lot trying to remind myself, you know, I'm not going to get too upset. You know, if we lose, you know, it's, it's just a game, move on. But watching that game, I knew we could win. So I was telling myself, I'm going to be very upset for a long time if we lose this game. Uh, game 7, CJ came out. It was wonderful. We've been s- on such a huge roller coaster of emotions. Uh, the 37-footer over Paul George. Uh, the four-overtime game. Uh, four-overtime
1: game on your birthday. On my probably. birthday
0: night. Um, I am of age, so I was having some beverages. Um, that night, um, I've been telling my friends that, you know, I, I remember specifically the Rodney Hood shot in the fourth overtime, Yeah, but I don't remember a lot uh, before that. It was my birthday, so I reserved that right. Um, I might get in a little trouble if Jeff listens to this podcast, but we're not FCC regulated on generational emotions. So that's my saving grace. Anyway, um, it's been an amazing ride for Portland, and I'm not saying this with any doubt that we could win this series because uh, game two is tonight and I think that we're gonna completely change what we were trying to do. Yeah. We were playing the drop off coverage yeah, don't do that. on Steph Curry. Yeah, don't do that. All night. Um, and you know, people were obviously just saying the same thing, slamming us. What is Portland doing? Portland wants to play Ennis Cantor. That's their mistake in the first place. Ennis Cantor can't play the pick and roll. Nope. Uh, So this is what I think is going to happen tonight. We're going to go to the exact same thing we're doing game one. Cantor's going to sag back because Cantor stepping up like that is just going to open up the rest of that offense because Steph's going to drive. There's going to be movement, corner shooters, and Draymond in that pick and roll defense or offense is just incredible. Um, I hope we start Zach Collins because um, I think or at least give him more time because I think he can play that pick and roll D maybe a little better um, maybe Aminu at the five there's some options there um, but the reality is I think we're going to keep going to that coverage that we were in game one and it's sad but the best way to beat this team is to score with them and I think that's what Terry was trying to do he's, it's what he's going to try and do the rest of the series uh, Clay Thompson was shutting down our backcourt all night long they were trapping dame up high like you're supposed to do like every team does um and then cj was going one-on-one with clay and just couldn't get anything going um and our our role players you know they had good moments rodney hood again just amazing he's been outstanding for the blazers uh but i'll say this if this is uh if this is the end for this season it's been such an amazing season you know we lost Nurk to a broken leg the end of that uh, end of march and i thought that was it
1: no i did too yeah. i thought that, that was the cuz he was last such straw.
0: an important part uh, in that pick and roll game that we did um and here we are in the western conference finals it's been amazing and i'm really looking forward to game 2 tonight i just i just like watching the game i don't care if we're down by 20 by 30 the 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 pure fact of being in the western conference finals right now is good enough for me it, re- it really is <laughs> and well, i mean then anything
1: that. else can become bonus which it, is nice.
0: Exactly. I mean, I feel like, you know, you come in as the underdog, right? You, you can't come with expectations. Uh, you just go out there and play. And I think I think Portland wins tonight. I really do. Uh, i cross my fingers for you. I, I appreciate that. But anyway, we'll, we'll get on from the Portland talk. We'll have some more maybe at the end for it.
1: Well, a big part of that too, though, is for – even for the casual fans, is to pay attention to these conference finals. Yeah. Because a lot of times this is where you get to see the grit that the teams have, the resilience to bounce back. To go through it um, I remember watching it and this goes for a lot of sports um, but I remember watching high school wrestling when I was a wrestler and and my dad always wanted to make sure that we watched the semifinals and I was like dad who cares it's the semifinals we'll watch the finals and he goes no no. these are the guys who are fighting to get into the finals yeah. that they see that prize and they need to make one more just even to get there to smell it and that's where the grit comes out and so for even the casual fans even if you were a Rockets fan or whatnot. Still, watch the high-quality basketball that's going on right now. It's really fun to watch.
0: I will speak on that. Hopefully we get more high-quality basketball tonight because game one was the Warriors didn't even play good in that game is the thing. Steph had a great game, uh, but outside of that, they had, I think, 14 off the bench from Jarebko, and the Warriors were playing sloppy.
1: Well, offensively they were playing sloppy, and that's, again, what you were talking about with Klay Thompson playing that defensive end of the floor. He doesn't get a lot of credit for his defensive abilities. Yeah, And to be able to stick up with those players, that's where some of the best basketball is being watched.
0: And I will say this as my closing thought. Do not blame the 20 turnovers on Portland's offense. Blame it on Golden State's defense. Good defense. Great defense. Best defense when they're locked in, hands down, because on that pick-and-roll D, Draymond is the best in the league at that. That's where he's going to earn his money uh, this offseason because I think someone out there is going to give him a max deal. Don't think it will be the Warriors, but that's my closing thought. Um, All right, some other headlines that we're going to get to uh, here. We mentioned a little bit earlier uh, that we're going to go into a little NCAA talk because they announced over, you know, really what started this, I think, was the Zion almost – ripping his leg in half and his foot coming through that shoe, right? A guy that had his pictures everywhere. Everyone was using his image. He wasn't getting compensated, at least that we know of, um, for that. And so the NCAA made a statement saying uh, that we're looking into uh, what we can do to quote, compensate these athletes for their image and their likeness. Uh, 2014 was the last year that we saw the NCAA football game franchise, uh, a franchise that I beloved dearly. Um, I would take the Longhorns to the chip every year. Uh, Me and my friends have some insights. We loved those games. So if something like that is on the horizon of coming back, we're really happy about that. But also on that, the NCAA has confirmed their stance that they will never pay uh, collegiate players and I think that's the right stance but compensation and paying the players directly are two totally separate things to me and I think that's what they're finally starting to get question mark hopefully question mark I mean everyone's reaction when you know they they said this because they are just so great at ruining their image I don't know if you saw that video that they posted of a day in the life of a student athlete
1: I did not see that
0: one. Uh, well, maybe we'll take a look after we hop off here. But pretty much it's a, it's a video of a happy, jubilant guy that has a lot of time on his hands to hang out with friends, um, to go to parties, blah, 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 and is not indicative of what an actual student-athlete goes through. Um, not a student-athlete that I've ever known. Yeah. I, uh, I have the opportunity to meet plenty of student-athletes here at Central, one of whom I've become pretty close friends with, Will Ortner, who you're probably familiar with. Uh, I don't see Will ever, and no one else does because he doesn't have time. Right. And I remember I was talking with him specifically about it. And he got every athlete that I've talked to about this specifically have, have been furious, just completely, and they're absolutely right to be furious. The NCA for some reason just treat their athletes like crap, and continuously do it.
1: Well, that's what the interesting thing I think when we talk about compensating players. Uh, Going back to Ed O'Banion from UCLA, was the first one to start saying like, hey, you're making all of this money off of me, my skills, my likeness, Mm -hmm. what I'm able to bring to you. And that was even back in, I think that was in the late 80s, early 90s. And nowadays, it's even more. And to think about when people talk about the contracts of coaches, or they talk about professional contracts. We talked about this last time we were on the air, that... I'm happy with the idea that in professional sports, the contracts are going to the athletes and the coaches that are affecting the image, that are infecting the the dynasties. But in college sports, they have never had so much money going yeah. through them. And maybe for anybody who doesn't know, a lot of times what happens in athletic programs is the the bigger sports or the more famous sports, especially D1 institutions, uh, the football and the basketball, they pay for everything else. They pay for the equipment for the track team and oh, yeah. the field team. And and so that helps the program as a whole. There's still a whole lot of extra money sitting out there.
0: Oh, yeah. So
1: much money. And the idea that the NCAA Call that fun money. by itself has so much money is re- absolutely ridiculous. Um, I don't know what the correct thing, because I agree with you. I don't think that, that players should be paid outright. But I gotta think that there's some way of spreading around that wealth, at least to institutions yeah. or something else, not just the NCAA as their and own. And not own just have shows.
0: that pool of what we probably assume to be millions of dollars sitting there, because you know, with people don't, especially in college football, think about this: their creation of the college football playoff, right, mm-hmm. has only given them that much more money, because they have you know four game or excuse me, two games. To play before that national well, those, championship
1: those bowl games already existed they just repurposed them but they so, yeah they they but re-imaged the addition them. of a championship game
0: yeah
1: about 10 years ago created one more game but then that's that much more ad revenue that much more in seats exactly and i used to work at a school that was a fcs school football championship series and knowing that how much of the money goes to the ncaa from those ticket sales and everything else and also knowing that some schools even pay money out of their athletic fund to the NCAA to host a game, just for the ability to host the game and maybe make a couple bucks off concession stands and whatnot, yeah. and not have to put out the money for travel and everything else, but they will actually pay money, give a hundred percent of the ticket sales, and then some to the NCAA, it is absolutely ridiculous. So, do you
0: think maybe that more money should be going to compensating these high-profile players? Or more money should be going into improving these institutions? Because on that respect, I mean, these players, you know, like Zion, they're going to be making millions in very little time. But the institutions are, you know, still kind of sit, you know, in that same spot. So do you think this money should go more to the athletes that they're using or more?
1: I would say go to the institution. Yeah. Because I I agree with you. A football player at University of Miami, their football program funds their ability to play. Yeah. And their stadium and their staff. And the basketball team's pretty legit, too, and so they ain't hurting, and they're helping to pay for the other sports. But the money the NCAA has, I would take that and redistribute that to the institution as a whole and say, because without the institution of the University of Miami, they're not able to have a football program Mm -hmm. or a basketball program. And so to increase the infrastructure of the institutions with that money, not just necessarily going directly back to the athlete – but to help again more students and have a bigger, broader outreach and have a greater impact on student retention, on student satisfaction, yeah, and ultimately helping more kids get degrees out there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the last thing I'll kind of I'll, I'll say on this is I will uh, kind of draw a line at ESPN. So for example, last night during the lottery, ESPN cut to a camera angle of Zion Williamson every opportunity they had. They were yeah, talking. They, they were just. They, they literally, they were, the way they were treating him, I was not okay with. I just I just don't think, and especially, you know, they brought uh, R.J. Barrett, who's going to be an all-star in this league, in my opinion, on uh, with an interview on him, but they're angling the interview straight at Zion. So Zion, how does it feel, or R.J., how does it feel to be a teammate of a once-in-a-lifetime generational talent? Okay, well, I'm pretty good, too, but, you know, he's my, right. you know what I mean? Like, So in that instance, like you, ESPN and these outlets like that have cannot use these players' images to that degree. I think. I think it's just ridiculous. I think that's where the NCAA needs to look out specifically is these media outlets using these players as if they're making millions already.
1: No, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Especially, I mean, look back at LeBron James and was on the cover of Sports Illustrated as a high school player. Yeah. That's putting a whole lot of pressure on him. Um, like, and, if these
0: athletes are going on a cover of Slam Magazine and stuff like that, in addition.
1: Well, and it's before, again, but like you said, it's before they're making millions. It's before they're in the public spotlight in the idea of making those contracts and in a professional world. So let's go ahead and let them, just like when we were talking about whether Zion would come back and play in the tournament or not. Right. And I was right. Mm-hmm. Um, just throw that out there.
0: Just for the record.
1: Because it was his own bucket list. It was him going out there doing it and him being a student athlete. Yeah. He only had that for one year. Mm-hmm. That was only going to be, he has a very limited window there to be a student athlete. Let him be a student athlete till he gets drafted. When he puts on that hat, when he puts on that jersey, when he hugs the commissioner, that's the point where he now that's is he in the public spotlight. Transition And him, so. he has, quote unquote, earned all the attention and all the criticisms and everything else.
0: Well, we hope that positive changes are made, but... On the topic of Zion Williamson, the draft lottery was yesterday. Um, Crazy. It was a crazy, exciting draft lottery uh, in which we saw. So for those that don't know, it used to be that the number one pick um, or the the team with the worst record had a 25% chance of landing that number one pick. They have since altered those odds so that the team with the worst record has only a 14.5% pick, I think, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, so that's made it so, you know, these other teams that, you know, were right there towards the bottom but not just a few games off have a chance of grabbing that number one seed, which I'm in favor of. So it makes teams that, you know, are thinking about tanking for Zion or whoever uh, thinking twice before doing that. Um, so the result of last night was the New Orleans Pelicans, the team that <laughs> – No. Davis was trying you know, to run away from. And now they're sitting there with the number one pick – and for a team that had such a terrible year of PR and players just, you know, not together in the whole AD fiasco, they turn their kind of fortunes around. They land themselves with a number one pick. There is reports that Zion's threatening to go back to Duke and he doesn't want to play for the Pelicans. Come on. Uh, just and you no, know, it took a quote from his stepfather to say that that's garbage. It was garbage to begin with. Um, it might not be all that garbage because I'm sure in his mind, you know the yeah, think about it. the uh, the flying pelicans of the NBA uh, aren't that uh, tantalizing of a franchise.
1: At the same time, right now in this moment today, not what they could do mm. are the Knicks that much of a better place to go. Oh no, no better
0: place to go. No, but the the image of playing for there, I think, is what maybe he would have liked because the image that the, that we've created of this kid already is a, you know, transcendental, the LeBron, and he's going to change any franchise that he goes to. And 15 years ago, yesterday the Knicks drafted Patrick Ewing and you know that was the last claim to fame the last time the Knicks were anything of relevant relevant. for anything yeah it's been a long time and so Knicks you know took the the ad out on the front of the New York Times with the priests and the oh my goodness gracious cry me a river Knicks fans you know it's I hate people that blame, you know, uh, you know, losing seasons on curses and stuff like that. No, you did it on terrible choices and a front office that is run by a bigot. James, yeah, James Dolan is widely regarded as probably the worst owner in the NBA. Um, so for Knicks fans, I feel bad that the balls didn't fall in your favor. Um, But for Laker fans, they're pretty happy right now. They landed four.
1: Number four is not bad.
0: Not bad when they didn't expect to. Um, Apparently, AD negotiations aren't uh, going forward now that they're at the number four pick is what we've heard. We don't know what's going to happen with this whole. You never know. You never know. Um, But uh, I will ask you this. Should all leagues have a type of draft lottery? Because in the NFL, the worst team gets the first pick. That's how it's been. Would you like to see a draft lottery in the NFL? Question mark. I think No, he, uh, I really don't. I, yeah? I, I think that's
1: what's created the parity in the way that the NFL is set up. One, in the way that the draft is set up. That the worst teams get to pick first. Right. And mm. at least allows them the opportunity, like, say, the L.A. Rams, formerly St. Louis Rams, back when they made all the trade with uh, Washington for RG3, right. and they gained 17 picks or whatever the heck it was. A lot of picks for mm. RG3's spot at number two. And they turned that into Aaron Donaldson. Uh, all these key players, I can't remember all of them right now, on the top oh, of yeah. my head, but I've seen that list many, many times. Mm. Of all the players they were able to, to cultivate with that trade, it gives them the capital to be able to improve their teams. Right. And then secondly, what the NFL does is that idea of when you're playing within your division, you play the teams that finish in the same spot. So the ones play the ones, and the twos play the twos, and the threes play the threes. Mm. And by doing that, it allows the lower-end teams like – now the Cleveland, Bronc- or the Cleveland Browns, to then play at the people that finish at the bottom of their divisions to give them a couple extra wins, to get them up in those rankings a little bit. And it creates parity to where when we go into the playoffs, there's seven teams vying for those last two spots. right And it makes incredible TV to watch. And every single game matters. And maybe that's what they're looking at within the NBA and, and shortening the regular season, is to make those games matter a little bit more. But... It would create more parity. You wouldn't have, but at the same time, the NBA, like you said earlier, with the the athletes that make it to that point, they're incredibly good. Mm -hmm. Whether they're on the bench, if they're number six, seven, or eight, they're still ridiculously good players. And to do that is just a smaller pot of players to pick from. And so that's why they've moved to the lottery system, because you can tank for the one. But this year, there was no consensus-ish one in regards to football. Like, people like Nick Bosa, and some people like Kyler Murray, and some people, New York Giants, uh, like other quarterbacks. Um, But, like, everyone has a different opinion. There's a lot of different ways you can go with that, where in basketball, it's Zion. It's one. And I agree with you. I think R.J. Barrett is going to be ridiculously good. Mm. I think the team that gets him is probably in better shape because they're not going to be as focalized on him. I honest,
0: I Some people agree that R.J. Barrett's game even translates more to the league than Zion does, because in, in some ways, people aren't really sure what Zion's going to be capable of in a night-in, night-out basis. Shooting isn't a strong thing, but the He's like a Draymond times 10,000 as far as switchability, athleticism, and everything. So, that is specifically what in this modern day NBA, front offices look for is that defensive switchability, mm-hmm. I think.
1: No, but, the athleticism, but then at the same time, you got to be a shooter.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to be a shooter. As I long think. as the shot isn't broken, Ben Simmons, um, then, you know, front offices won't really bat an eye too much about it if you have enough of these traits to just make you blow up which is I think kind of where Zion sits right now
1: so I think that's where they're not able to do that kind of same model the NFL does but the NFL has a good model it's working it creates parity it does Uh, I, I
0: wouldn't I would be interested right to to see what that could do but i do agree that you know too much change let's leave the nfl cuz what the nfl well, the has work been works. doing has been working and vice versa so um you did bring up the whole nba season uh reform thing we'll talk about that a little bit as we uh kind of round out the show but so adam silver did come on uh for an interview during the lottery talking about you know shortening possibly the nba season which a lot of players have been speaking out about recently it's 82 games and players like it Play it. owners don't yeah exactly uh 82 games you know can be a lot uh it is a lot um especially for you know these th- you know teams going for the three p the two you know they get bored in the regular season and it kind of in a way it, it, it results in viewership kind of being lackluster too because right. you're watching these teams not give 100 percent. oh the warriors lost to the suns tonight
1: or would well, they rest you know, the players yeah. or when the San Antonio teams are sitting and you buy tickets good to go see when the LeBron Warriors comes to town, yeah.
0: yeah and oh KD's out Steph's out the resting all are you are you kidding me I paid 80 90 bucks for this ticket right. right and so like that could that's a serious issue in a lot of ways uh but Silver was pretty steadfast on not shortening the NBA season but Possibly putting more incentives into the season, so like playing tournaments, uh, stuff like that. The the what I love about the NBA, in comparison to the NFL, more than obviously uh, the main things that you could say there, um, is just the fact that they're willing to change. They're willing to switch it up.
1: They're willing to try something out.
0: Yeah, they've always have, them, especially when Adam Silver's taken office. So um, I'm excited. There's been the playoff reform that's been talked about. He he mentioned that a little bit as still a possibility. The whole one through sixteen seeds and you know pairing western conference teams up with eastern conference teams and just kind of abolishing the whole conference system i think it's interesting but then you see a team like portland maybe getting matched up with a east coast team like boston that travels crazy for a seven game series insane yeah, you know, so a lot of negatives and positives there but again i appreciate a, a commissioner that's open to talking about stuff at least right, well, not well, a robotic they've... Goodell out there just telling you what you want to hear
1: <clears throat> Excuse me, and the way that they've looked at like the all star game and making it into like a pickup game, kind of with drafting them each other out, mm-hmm. and, um, it's made it more interesting to watch. It has, yeah, definitely. Because you don't know what it's going to be where if it was just east versus west, you'd be like, all right, well, here i I know who's going to make it and we know who's going to happen and, and it's going to be 150 to 150 and no one's going to play any defense or whatever else. But making it more of a pickup game, get some of those attitudes in there, some of the egos going. And it's just, it makes it a little bit more fun to watch, at least even just in the creating a narrative for it.
0: Yeah. All right, we're going to get to the wrap-up here, last couple of headlines before we head out. Next week, I'm sure we'll, we'll be back we'll next week. We'll make it week. happen. We'll I make promise. it happen. Um... First of all, so the, uh, the Jets fired their general manager recently and gave head, new head coach Adam Gase kind of the reins as the interim GM. And he's already made a bunch of headlines. First of all, trading one of their starting linebackers for a bag of chips to the Kansas City Chiefs, who have been making all kinds of deals in the offseason. Yeah, they have. All kinds. They're really buying into their window of a rookie quarterback contract here, which is smart. That's kind of right. the, the way people are going lately. Uh, but back to the Jets, so Gase also, uh, and whether or not this is what you read on media and stuff like that, but it holds validity still, saying that he didn't want to spend any money in free agency, specifically on a running back. Uh, the Jets gave Le'Veon Bell $14 mil a year. Uh, he would have got that amount as a Steeler still, um, but now he's playing for a coach that, quote, doesn't want him, when he could have played for a coach that did want him and would have made the same money.
1: In a system that would have worked. In a and system a that would have worked. he knew that people liked him and mm-hmm. and has shown success in already.
0: So a lot of people are kind of tarnishing Le'Veon Bell for all of those things because when he got that contract finally, people were like, "That's it, that's what you were holding out for, really?" I mean, come on, dude, you said you were going to be the you no know, the the Jimmy Graham kind of model of I should be paid as a receiver and not you know as a as a running back and I want you know receiver money because that's what I do and you kind of just got high-end running back money Um, you got longevity you got the four-year deal congratulations but now you're playing for a team and a franchise that has historically underperformed and made headlines for all the wrong reasons so congratulations Le'Veon
1: and get to go against the defending champion yeah
0: that too Uh, I mean I'm not a big Sam Darnold fan I'm never a big USC quarterback fan in general truth Um, they haven't really worked out in history Carson Palmer is probably one of the bright notes, Best. and th- and that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. Uh, got Matt Barkley, Matt Liner in there. The list goes on. We got a big USC fan uh, at the Berg. His name is Peyton Barons, and uh, I like to get at him a little bit for his their history of terrible quarterbacks. Because I think he's a Sam Darnold fan. I haven't mm-hmm. really addressed that to him. I'm gonna ask him uh, when we go out of this. Because to me, the Jets are going to be the Jets.
1: They always yeah, are.
0: They always are uh last thing i will say before we get i woke up this morning with some just disheartening heartening news uh and i looked at who i was getting that news from and it was tmz and i held it with a grain of salt because you can't take anything from tmz but uh rick flair was rushed rushed to the hospital this morning for kind of a routine procedure i guess but social media blew up and it was like the first time it happened when everyone thought we were losing rick flair and we all got very, very sad, and then we learned that he was gonna make it, and then we got happy again. But anytime I see the news like this, because Ric Flair is probably, I mean, I'm young, but for a guy like you, I mean, that Poor went- Four Horseman. Yeah, through that era. The original. Yeah, uh, no, no one wants to see anything related to Ric Flair passing away. So he's doing good, I guess, is what the news is, so it that's good. Sounds like good. it was a routine surgery. Yeah, I guess he's going to Vegas, so he knows he's really old and brittle. Um, and can't go up like the old Ric Flair in Vegas, probably. So, taking precautions. Um, so, Rick, if you're listening to the pod out there, we love you, baby. Keep doing you, styling, profiling. Um, if I could meet Ric Flair one day, like before I don't have that opportunity, I think that would be greater than meeting Michael Jordan for me, almost. It's
1: a pretty good bucket list. That,
0: like, I think Ric Flair is probably above Michael Jordan in terms of. And that's saying an awful lot, obviously. Well, I think we've said a lot today. Got some stuff off our chest. Last thing I need to say tonight. Um, This is straight at you, Terry Stotts, and the Portland coaching staff. Play Jake Lehman tonight. He's had success against Golden State. Um brings energy he brings toughness grit uh we need more of that our forward just did not play well last game well Harkless for some reason had 17 or something like that which is just whatever Aminu's been playing terrible um, we need something we need something it's been too great of a season we've lost too much we've been through too much to lay layover I'm looking forward to tonight Doug
1: do something different
0: do something different please do something different all right that's about it uh that's all i have for today we'll be back next week guarantee we're gonna make it happen uh here or not We'll, we'll call in we'll do something we
1: will make it happen
0: we'll be here uh but thanks for listening to the pod today we'll be back next week